0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and it is with great joy that I get to share with the entire congregation this weekend. I'm at our West Side campus, and by the way, if you go to church downtown and you haven't been over here at some point, you've got to make your way over. It's a beautiful space, and it's a great, thriving community. I'm sharing with you from the Westside campus because this is a special weekend. We have finally hit the marker for our 20th year as a church and we're two years removed from Hurricane Harvey. And what I told you when Hurricane Harvey hit was that if I was gonna go through hell with anybody, you're the people I wanted to go through hell with. And that when you go through an experience like that and you're not just trying to survive, you're actually trying to serve other people, you learn a lot about who you are. And over the last two years, we've learned a lot about who we are. And we've got some stories to tell. And so on our website, uh, you're going to hear more. You'll hear some in this sermon about some things that have happened since Harvey. But we got a full report of everything that we were able to do. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash Harvey and you're going to get this beautiful report. It's going to tell you all the things that we did, every dollar it was spent, and it's going to be totally worth your time. As I look at 20 years, and believe me, over my sabbatical, I had time to look back and think, what are the common threads? And if you asked, you know, Here we are, we're this church with multiple campuses. Uh, we, We every day have global impact. Every day our church does. And that's cumulative because for all 20 of our years, we've been doing things like drilling water wells. And so you could go to so many places in the world and see a a continual impact that Ecclesia has made. It literally blows your mind. One of the best things about being the pastor of Ecclesia and being on staff at Ecclesia is that I do get a lot of emails of people that have come to faith, people that for the first time in their life are thriving in an authentic faith community. And the stories just abound and abound. And I look at this beautiful thing that's happened at Ecclesia and you wonder, how do we get to this place? And there's obviously, there's only one real answer. It's God, right? God has blessed us. He's blessed us richly. As I looked at our history, I realized that there were these patterns, uh, recurring over and over again, these unique experiences that changed who we are as a people and who the church is. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I was a freshman at Baylor and I took my first job at a church. My originally I was there to, to lead the music and, uh, but it was a church without a pastor. And so naturally at times they'd turn and say, well, how about you preach? And uh, so I'd literally like, I'd lead the music and then I'd preach. And, uh, my first time to ever preach, um, I, I, I still, I get a little queasy in my stomach just starting to talk about it. I, I had to prepare this sermon and I was just grateful like that it was this little country church in central Texas. And if it bombed, it bombed and not many people would know. And on this particular Sunday, um, I still don't know how it happened exactly, but probably the most influential person that I could think of in my circle and in my life ended up in the audience in the congregation on that day. His name was Herbert H. Reynolds. He was the president of Baylor University. He was a Navy man, and he was one of the most intimidating figures you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, when he stepped into the room, I got up to preach. I didn't realize he was there and I saw his face. I just, everything tightened up, right? And I preached what had to be the lousiest sermon that anyone's ever heard or preached. I got out, and thank God we don't do this at Ecclesia, Um, but at small churches and country towns, the pastor then goes to the back door, and everybody that comes through shakes their hand. It's awkward. Um, At times, right? Because people don't know what to say, especially if you preached a bad sermon, right? People will come through and just be like, well, that was a sermon. (laughs) It's so painful. And I watched everybody come through the line. And uh, and. If, if you're not a pastor, you may not get it, but I'm telling you, even uh, people like Sean and I that have 45 plus years of, of preaching experience between us, um, it, it's, still, um, it's still helpful to get encouragement and uh, positive feedback. And uh, you you won't hear a pastor anywhere say, you know, I'm just over encouraged. I have too many people encouraging me. It does not happen. Uh, But we got got great preachers here, people like Erica that haven't been preaching long, that preach great sermons. I want to encourage you to say, hey, that was great. I really appreciated that. And I remember the line moving along and I realized Dr. Reynolds has not come through the line. And I thought this sermon was so bad. He just slipped out the other door, right? Because who would want to look me in the eye after that sermon? Um, but he was the last person in the line. And when he came through the line, I'll never forget, I was wearing this awful kind of avocado green suit that didn't really fit very well. And he shook my hand. And then with his other hand, I remember him putting a $100 bill in my pocket. And as he was sticking a $100 bill in my pocket, he said, son, you're a great preacher. He said, you could do this really, really well and for a really long time. And I can tell you, Ecclesia. One of the reasons I'm preaching today is because if Dr. Reynolds told me I was a great preacher, I was like, well, I need to be a great preacher. See, this was part of what the Hebrews believed, that when you speak something, you speak a blessing, you actually speak it into existence, right? We we tell our kids often, you're a great reader, not because we've observed that they're a great reader, because in speaking that word, they become a great reader. And there's there's a blessing that we are to offer in the world. And part of what Dr. Reynolds did that was so unique, and I'm telling you, Ecclesia, I really don't know if I'd have started the two churches I started, if I'd be pastoring today, I think I might've walked out of that sermon and go, I don't ever, you, you preach a bad sermon and it feels like you're this songwriter who begged people to listen. And then you, they come and listen and you like that, that wasn't so good. It just, it's, it's hurtful. It's painful. I could have easily walked away, but God put Dr. Reynolds in that congregation on that Sunday to bless me. And this is what he did. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. He blessed me and then he resourced me. Now, and he said, hey, I'm giving you this money because I know going to Baylor is expensive and I want to help you with it because as you study and you get brighter and you get more skilled, you're going to impact the kingdom. And he blessed me to go out and be a part of the church in a really impactful way. This, is what, now, this language isn't in the Bible, but this is what I want to call it. When you bless somebody and then you resource them, I think what you're doing is you're betting on them. Now, we're not maybe big gamblers around here. I don't know who is. It's easy to lose a lot of money gambling. But when you bet on a person, you get behind them. And I I would propose to you that this is part of what the Hebrew birthright was. When Isaac is... uh, is in this position to bless Jacob or Esau. And there's this competition for the birthright. The birthright came with a blessing and a resource. The the father would say, this is who I long for you to be. This is who I believe you are. And here's some of what you need to actually pull that off. And when those two things come together, I want to tell you, I think it's explosive. It it happened later in our life as a church. There are more stories I could tell you of just sacrifice of so many people, Um, so many of our staff that, that uh, just were volunteering, or uh, so many years that we we couldn't get paid, or we got paid so little we were all struggling. And I remember one of my favorite Ecclesians, he still is to this day, my buddy Joe Buller. Joe is filled with life; he is the life of the party. And when he came to Ecclesia, he saw something, and he just he'll tell me the story from time to time. He said, "Chris, I saw you up there, and you had these ripped jeans, and I didn't never seen a pastor in ripped jeans. And you were holding the baby, and you had a cappuccino in your hand, and you were talking about things I had never heard before." And and in a week, he said, Joe, Joe came to me and he, uh, he said, Chris, I believe in you. I believe what the church is going to do. For the first time in my life, he had written a check to Ecclesia that had six figures on it, right? And he put it in my hand and he said, I believe in you. Go make the church what it's supposed to be, right? Joe Bullard was betting on me. He was betting on us as a church. And, uh, and I'm so grateful that his bet and so many others paid off, Right? And so this one I want to suggest to you today, Ecclesia, that maybe part of what makes us unique is we're a church that seeks to bet on people. Gambling usually doesn't pay off. The house is the one that wins. Um, I'm not gonna tell you you to place any bets, even though I think the Astros are gonna win the World Series this year, and you might wanna go to Gallery Furniture and buy a mattress, because it's probably gonna be free. I don't know for sure, but it might be free. I'm not telling you to gamble, but I think you get the same kind of risk um, reward The same kind of high when you bet on a person And you bet on that person and they succeed. One of our church members, Mike Wyatt, has recently bet on a friend in Africa, a guy who doesn't have resources. But Mike's just said to him, I think you're smart. I think you would be a great business person. And so he invested in a business for him. And now he's mentoring him in that business. Right? And I'm telling you, if that guy succeeds in his business, and I think he will, it'll be the best investment that Mike ever made. And together as a church, often what we do is bet on people. When I was in Venezuela earlier in the year, uh, I encountered our dear sister, Alexandria. Alexandria was in a tough spot. I came back and told the church about it. Um, she had these pins going through her leg. She's been in a tough accident. The hospitals in Venezuela were not able to treat her well. And uh, she had actually developed a really dangerous infection in her leg. That infection uh, was so severe that the doctors there were saying, we don't think we can take care of it it looks like we're gonna to need to amputate your leg. As a church, part of what we get to do is find somebody like Alexandria and bet on her. And we just said, Alexandria, we want you to go someplace where you can get the best medical care because we want you to be able to serve your kids, your family and the world. I was watching her even with these pins in her leg. She was serving the doctors and nurses at the border there in Venezuela. She was loving on people even with her limitations. And I looked at her and I thought, that's somebody Ecclesia wants to bet on. And uh, it was quite an ordeal, I told you about it. She didn't have a real ID, a valid ID, because Venezuelan government was shut down. It took us a long time to get it. We finally got it. We got her to Argentina. Our dear brothers and sisters at La Misión in Argentina, they've been taking great care of her. She's in a beautiful little apartment. She's seeing some of the best doctors in Latin America. Um, she has had multiple surgeries. Uh, they are, even this week, they are gathering a team of 14 doctors that will be in the room to surround her with advice for the next steps in her treatment. She still needs a knee replacement. Um, this is something our church is funding. When you give to ecclesia, this is what we do. We got to care for some things around here. We got uh, utilities, we got a staff that we want to take care of and we're doing a better job of that than we did back in the early days and we're grateful for that because we have some of the best staff on the whole planet. What we want to do is care well for the people that serve our church and then we want to share our resources and bet on people like Alexandria. She's got a few more surgeries coming up. I want to ask you to pray for her. Our dear sister Andrea Barnes was recently in Venezuela. She's been there more recently than I've been. And I thought you ought to hear from her about her stories of meeting people that together we could bet on. Uh, we bet on Andrea and Marcus because we love them. I mean, they're just, they've been a faithful part of our community for so long. When Harvey hit them hard, we were so glad to come around them and serve them. We know when you bet on them, you're leaning into an opportunity to invest in people that are going to serve the whole world. And that's who Marcus and Andrea are. These are some of Andrea's reflections from her recent trip to Venezuela.
2: Barnes. I was born here, but my parents are Venezuelan. My mom's from Caracas and my dad's from Maracaibo. Growing up, I just was always around Venezuela. It's just my culture. I went to Venezuela a lot growing up, and I still have two very close aunts that live there. The crisis has been going on for a while, but the past five years is when it's gotten really bad. So I would say the last three to five years, I've been praying for an opportunity to help so when i heard pastor chris talking about getting to go to Colombia to help the venezuelans um i was just so thankful that our church i love our church we do beautiful beautiful things and so i was i was very grateful that i was going to have the opportunity to go and serve my brothers and sisters We arrived to Cúcuta. It was pretty overwhelming once we got to the parada or the border. Our driver drove us up there, and it's just the, the like masses of people everywhere, and just like just doing what they can to survive. On the first day, we went to the church a la parada at the border just sat with some kids and hugged some kids we had some books and i got to give out books and read to a few of them and it was really it was really beautiful and then on the second day we went to the tent with the walkers and that was like life-changing because i was able to wash their feet and really hear their stories and they just were like you know i i'm grateful that i was able to rest with you and that you guys gave me some food they kept telling me, like, I have, I have faith that I'm going to find a better life than what I had in Venezuela. And God, somehow, like miraculously, was providing for them every day, even though they were like walking across the country. I love that we can partner with and help and know that we are providing, and it might be something small, but it's really big to them, because they, they're living day by day. Something God has been showing me since Harvey is that like you have to live in the moment, you can't worry about what's gonna happen tomorrow or a year from now because you don't know, you you don't know. Before I went, I kinda understood the verse where God's like, you know, I provide for birds every day, how much more am I gonna provide for you? I, like, I feel like I saw that in person. I just see God different, like he, He's with us here, He's with them there. Um, and we, we don't, we just stay in today. We've been so blessed by everybody in Ecclesia. Um, we would like literally not have a house if it wasn't for a church. I'm just so grateful that we can help these people that are in so much need. I, I have to go back. I feel like they're, they're part of my family now. I have to go back.
1: Ecclesi, isn't that beautiful? Uh, Andrea wants to go back. I want to go back. Not all of you have to go. Um, We are there together. When Andrea is there, when I'm there, we're all there. Our whole church is there. And uh, over my sabbatical, I was able to let go of a lot of things. I was able to relax and Uh, focus on other things and be present with my kid at a baseball game. Uh, The one thing I couldn't let go of was Venezuela. I just dreamed about the people in Venezuela at night because uh, I have a love for them. I've seen the suffering. When we lean in on a project like this because there's a need, I want you to know it's not just because it hits the news and then it matters. When we lean in, we don't lean in and then just pull out when... uh, we get bored and are ready to do the next thing. We've been leaning in for months now. And so I wanna share with you that uh, so far Ecclesia, we've invested about $77,000 uh, in the work in Venezuela. A lot of that's gone to upgrades for the church. It's a remarkable church, La Frontera. It's it's just border church. They just knew somehow before they even, all this was going on, they had a ministry at the border. Um, Pastor Mauricio is a gift. Um, he serves selflessly. Um, in ways that I couldn't even describe to you. We've been helping build out the church. We've been uh, working on water supply and electrification and getting fans there and helping set up uh, what we need for the medical clinic to work well. Um, we now have invested monthly in a feeding program so that uh, we're, we're hiring four Venezuelan ladies that need jobs. We think that's important uh, because we give them a chance to work and they make the food that they share with other Venezuelan people that are hungry. And so that comes out to about 3500 a month. There's about $1,000 that goes to, to get baby formula. We don't want any baby to come in that's malnourished to leave without baby formula. That that just wouldn't be us uh, to pull back on any of those things. We're going to be leaning in on those every month. There's more opportunities. What I need you to know is that when you give to Ecclesia, these are the things that we're up to and it takes all of us together. If you automate your giving, if you pull that together, if the church can actually count on, hey, we can make these commitments, we can up our commitments because we have church members that have made commitments to be a part of it. It helps all of us to plan and serve in beautiful ways. Uh, Andrea shared with you these beautiful tents where people literally by the thousands every day are just walking and they're walking and walking. And, uh, And to have Christian brothers and sisters there, they wash their feet and they do exactly what I told you it is when you bet on somebody. They bless them and they share something with them. What they don't have much to share right now. They share a little bit of food. We provide groceries, uh, uh, so that that tent can feed people when they come. What we'd like to do, and what I want to invite you to do, is we want to up our opportunity there to bet on people. And this is the opportunity we have: is to give a kit with um, some new, a new pair of shoes and socks to everybody. They're about to walk uh, for many of them hundreds and even thousands of miles. And uh, what we want to do is say, hey, here's a new pair of shoes. Here's some socks. We're going to set you off in good footing and some nutrition bars so that literally they're going and they don't know they're counting on uh, God providing somehow for them. And as Andrea told you, God does provide, but we'd like to be a part of that provision. And then our brothers and sisters that are serving through the church there have said, if we could buy a van, it would be about $10,000. If we could buy a van. We could drive people for their first 150 miles. Can you imagine being able to come to somebody and say, hey, listen, you got a long journey ahead of you. Uh, we can't take you all the way there, but we're gonna get you 150 miles ahead. We're gonna put you in the van. We're gonna feed you. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna make sure you're hydrated well. We're gonna get you off on your journey in a strong way. I think it'd be a beautiful gift. That's what I think it looks like Ecclesia to bet on people. And I'm telling you more than any team you could bet on, Hardworking people that love God and they want a better life for their kids and they're just going to find it and they're going to work for it those are the kind of people we want to bet on we were in a similar environment in Mexico City uh, this last year in November when uh, the world was uh, just talking all about this migrant caravan there was so much talk and we looked around and said we don't really see any action and so our church flew to Mexico City. We guessed when we thought the migrant caravan would hit the city. It was the first big caravan to come through. And we brought some food trucks and we made friends and we blessed people and we fed them and we prayed for them and we encouraged them. And as will often happen in those environments, certain people stand out with special needs. And our dear brother Axel had a need. He, he was trying to walk with a caravan and he literally Um, I don't know how he was doing it. I couldn't believe it. I thought this kid is the most courageous kid I've ever met in my life. And instantly we said, we wanna help this kid and his family. And most of you know the story. It's been amazing to see uh, God work out in a miraculous way how his family could get here to Houston. And uh, I want you to hear directly from Axel. You'll see him around church. If you're downtown, you'll see him often. Um, and you'll see Michelle and Adanya. And as we get to walk with them, I wanted Axel to tell you uh, what's been going on in his life since you heard from him last.
0: Hi, my name is Axel. I am from Nicaragua. I am 15. I go to Heights High School. Pues primeramente, eh, donde me reuní con ellos, donde los conocí a todos ellos, fue en Galveston. Ahí cuando fuimos a Galveston, eh, ahí me sentí tímido por varias veces. Me sentí con miedo porque decía yo, eh, vengo de Nicaragua y, y ahora ¿dónde estoy? decía yo. Eh, Pues cuando conocí a los chicos me comencé a sentir más, no sé, más como en familia, así, con la iglesia. Cuando estoy agrupado con ellos me siento feliz gracias al pastor Cris que nos ha ayudado y a toda la congregación. Si no no, estu- no estuviéramos aquí, gracias a ellos, eh, no sé estuviéramos muertos, o presos, eh, de- o desaparecidos.
1: Alexia, if that doesn't move you, um, I don't know what would. Aren't you glad that together we bet on Axel? That's going to be the best bet any of us ever made. This kid. He, he loves people so well. He works so hard to, to come as far as he's come with his English this year, to pass the star test. I'm telling you, I love this kid and I can't wait to be a part of his future. You're a big part of his future. And that's what we do as a church. We find people and we bet on them. What does it mean to bet on them? It means to bless them and resource them. That's what we think it means. It's not in the Bible. It's not the term. But in a similar way to a birthright, Who are the people in your life that you can bet on? And then what does it mean to be a part of a church that really sees ourselves as a community that's intended to bet on people together? All of you aren't going to make it to the tent in Venezuela to meet the mother that has a need. But what we want to do is resource the people that are there so they knew who to bet on, right? And they they meet a mother that has a kid uh, like Jorge Alberto right now, one of the kids that we're helping, that has liver damage. And we're working hard, not just with the medicine, but new opportunities and new treatments for Jorge Alberto and for his mother to be able to provide for him. And when we get a chance together, we can bet on people and we can see them thrive on the other side of it. I'm grateful that Dr. Reynolds and Joe Bullard and so many other people bet on me and bet on Ecclesia. We wouldn't be who we are. We wouldn't be doing what we do today because they knew that we were going to be blessed so that we could be a blessing. That's what we want to do. You're blessed. I don't know what you see particularly in your hands today, but I know all of us have some resources. And as we pull those resources together, I believe that the next years to come, we'll do more with them than we've ever imagined. And we're gonna have more stories like Axel's and Alexandria and Andrea and so many others that love people and serve people well because we believed in them and we cared for them and they're gonna care for others. Our dear brother Mike Yeager is gonna come share with you now. His story is such a beautiful story. He's a faithful pastor on our staff. He didn't show up at Ecclesia for the first time thinking he would eventually be a pastor on on our staff. It, It wasn't even a remote thought. And yet God had plans for him that are beyond what he could have ever dreamed would be his plans. I'm blessed to walk with him, to be his friend, Um, to be a co-servant with him of all of you. And I want to ask you to welcome him as he comes to share. Hey, thanks, everybody.
0: Uh, So
3: if you will indulge me for just a moment, Uh, my wife, Lauren, was born and raised in Midland, Texas. I spent most of my adolescence there. That's where we met. We have countless friends and family still there. And yesterday in another random act of terror, five people were killed and 20 others at least uh, injured. And I don't have the words right now, aside from just anger and laments. So I would love to invite you to join me in a moment of silence for the victims and their families. Amen. Thank you, everyone. And Chris is absolutely right. It was the furthest thing from my mind when I first stepped foot into this church 12 years ago that this is what I might one day be called to do. And, and now I can hardly imagine doing anything else. And, I, and I'm so grateful for every day that I get to serve God and care for you all as a part of this family. And so we see these incredible relationships that have been nurtured, often in very painful circumstances. And Axel is such an incredible kid. And and Chris just gave me an update uh, this morning. So our sister Alexandria is currently en route back to Venezuela, and doctors have confirmed that she's going to keep her legs. She still has some uh, ways to go, but these are incredible answered prayers. So thank you uh, for the ways that we continue to be involved uh, in her story. But it brings to mind for me just countless other individuals, and families, communities, stories around the city, stories around the world, individuals and families and communities in whom we have invested together, in whom all of us, we have bet on. And then I think about how Ecclesia bet on me because I did not arrive here with a seminary degree. Okay, I, I did not even arrive here with a spotless record, in fact. I was a bit of a misfit. I had long since fled from the church I was picking up the wreckage of having driven my life off the road a lot of self-destruction. And I hadn't the faintest idea of what I was supposed to do next. And I will tell you that story over coffee or lunch sometime provided you tell me yours, okay? So Chris talks about this idea of birthrights as speaking a blessing into reality, naming something in someone that they may be completely unable to see in themselves. Because I know that I would not be here today had it not been for those kinds of words. And, and, and I don't have the time to talk specifically about all of the impact uh, that so many on this team through the years, so many in this community over the years have had on my life and in my family because of the power of those words. But it goes further than that. It was only a few years ago when our leadership came to me and they said, Mike, we think you're a pastor. We think you can do this. And if I'm being perfectly honest, that scared the living daylights out of me at the time. The responsibility, the weightiness, the presumed extreme piety that comes with the territory. I, I officiate a lot of weddings. So like clockwork, every single time there's a cocktail hour, someone will catch my eye from across the way and they'll make a beeline just so they can unload all of their religious baggage on me. And then I sit with a lot of like drunk uncles at the receptions and they'll be telling some off color joke or story. And then they'll turn to me, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor. (laughs) But people treat you differently. And oftentimes they invite you into their deepest heartaches, their deepest wounds. That's not a small thing. But this blessing, this blessing was more than that, that it came, the, the leadership came to me with these resources that they continue to invest in my growth as a pastor, my growth into this calling. You all participate in that, by the way, whether you realize it or not. Like, you didn't get the vote. I'm sorry, like you're stuck with me. But you all bet on me, you all bet on this team. And I want you to hear clearly that none of us take that lightly, not for a second. So there's this big difference between gambling foolishly and investing wisely, but it's still a bet. It's still a risk. It's still placing our faith, our tangible faith in the uncertain. And that's what I think that we're called to. And we hear that clearly in the parable of the talents that Jesus shares in Matthew 25, and I'm paraphrasing. So a landowner instructs three servants to care for his property while he's away. And it says that according to their abilities, they are given talents, a talent meaning a measure of money, A single talent was of tremendous value. And so the master gives five talents to the first servant, and two to the second, and then one to the last. And the first two servants are savvy and confident, and they are able to sell and barter their their way into doubling their talents. While the third simply digs a hole in the ground, and he places his one talent inside, and he buries it. And so after a long journey, the master returns and he celebrates the work of the first two servants, and he prepares to give them even greater responsibility. And then the third, the servant who had been given one talent, he approached, and he says that because his master is known to be such a hard and difficult person that he was afraid, that he was terrified of failing, and so he panicked, and he buried his talent in the ground. And he says, here, master, here it is. You can have it back. And the master, it says, was furious, and he throws the servant out into the dark. So I think that one way of reading this parable is that these talents were not obligations, but they were gifts. The master departs suddenly, and it says only that he returns long after. He left these servants in charge of extraordinary wealth. And that has me thinking about the ascension of Jesus our master, departing with zero indication of what, when he may return. And yet look at all that he has entrusted us with in his absence, all of us. The question is, what will we do then with what we have been given? And so in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he sends word ahead to the people, announcing, uh, preparing their hearts to give towards a mission party that will soon make its way. And so he says this simply in chapter 9, verse 6. I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little harvests little. And the one who plants plenty harvests plenty. And so we have some very real opportunities, tangible opportunities to continue in the ways that we are betting on our brothers and sisters in Venezuela. Crossing a border into a challenging unknown, leaving behind everything To seek a better life and we believe that when we plant together in this way that the harvest will be far beyond anything we could have imagined and chris mentioned a couple ways that we plan to do that one being these kits that we'll prepare with new shoes and new socks and nutrition bars vital nutrition on a very long journey and they'll cost about 20 dollars each and i know that that's something that almost every single person in this room can commit to and so we'll have baskets out At communion, there's also a simple way that you can give by texting just a donation amount, just a number in Venezuela to 84321. You follow a couple of quick steps. It's simple and it's secure. Chris also mentioned the need of a van or vans to help our brothers and sisters with a 150 mile head start as they cross the border. And that is something that some of you in this room may be able to provide all on your own. And if that's you, please talk to us afterward. But we know, we have faith that as we gather together the gifts that God has given us, that these needs can and will be met. But let's not forget about the deeper why behind all of this, that this is what happens when we share not only the blessing of God's love, but the gifts, the resources that we've been given. So Paul goes on in verse 12. He says, for this mission, we'll do more than bring food and water. To fellow believers in need it will overflow in a cascade of praises and thanksgivings for our god when this mission reaches jerusalem and meets with the approval of god's people there they will give glory to god because your confession of the gospel of the anointed one led to obedient action and your generous sharing with them and with all exhibited your sincere concern because of the extraordinary grace of God at work in you, they will pray for you and long for you. Praise God for this incredible, unbelievable, indescribable gift. So it may just be all the gambling talk, but when I hear overflowing in a cascade of praises and thanksgivings, I picture these coins just pouring out of a slot machine, like this exhilaration of hitting a jackpot. Not that this ever happened to me personally. But I think this is what happens. This is what it feels like to bet on someone and then to see them begin to believe in that blessing, to witness them persevere, to witness them fight and succeed and not just to survive but to thrive. And I think that we all have that opportunity. And as a church, we are going to continue to do exactly that, the same as we've done for 20 years but I I want to ask each of us personally a couple things. Maybe there's someone or someones that have bet on you in this way. I've got a couple in mind. Have you told them what it meant to you at the time? What it means to you today? And if so, if you're able, if they are still with us, I want to urge you to do that. Those will be beautiful conversations. And then also, I want to challenge each of us as we look around this community, as we look around our city and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools, will you ask God to place upon your heart someone that you, not, not anyone else, someone that you, with whatever you have to offer, that you are meant to bless and to resource. Someone that you will place A bet on this week because the odds of return are so much better than the Powerball Ecclesia I promise you that so I want to ask everyone place your bets and so I want to close as we bless the elements with these same words that Paul offered the Corinthians so would you bow your head with me in prayer finally brothers and sisters keep rejoicing and repair whatever is broken encourage each other. Think as one and live at peace. And God, the author of love and peace will remain with you. God, we thank you for the precious gift of this day and this feast. Breathe your spirit and mystery upon these gifts, these ordinary elements of the earth, this bread and juice and wine would be for us today a reminder that even as we talk about what it means to bet on one another, we are reminded that you went all in for us, that you withheld nothing, that you poured yourself out in a perfect cosmic act of love. And what you ask in return, Lord, is that we would submit our lives to you, the fullness of our joy and our obedience to your call. So today, Lord, may we approach your table anew that we might taste and see and be changed. We pray that in gratitude, we pray it in great hope as a family. We pray it in your name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ekthesiahouston.org.